And as we begin 2020, you've started in the right place. You started in church, and I said in the very beginning, I hope you've come anticipating hearing from God. Last week, we began a message in Ephesians chapter number 1. If you have your Bibles, let me encourage you, open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter number 1. If you have your bulletins, in, the, in there will be the notes you can follow along. And I want this to be very, very practical. Last week, we began a message looking at the past and what God has done in our lives in the past because of our salvation and the wonderful salvation that we can enjoy. And today I want to look forward to starting strong. I know it's already the fifth day of 2020. You know, hopefully you've already started strong. Hopefully you've already begun reading your Bible. This is a great time of year to begin Bible reading plans. Whether it's a short term or you want to read through the whole Bible, this is a great time to begin. And it's not too late. Uh, there's information on the front of your bulletin about the YouVersion Bible app. And there's other resources that you can easily access that are tremendously a blessing to me. Because personally, I need structure. If there's something as simple as I go tick, 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 and it's like a little endorphin boost when I tick the boxes. I don't know what it is, but God, God understands who we are, and, and so do the people that develop these apps. And we read them, and it, it's helpful to follow a structure. If you need that, get involved and start those things now. Begin strong in the new year. So I want you to finish this sentence. 2020 will be the year of, and you start thinking in your mind, and you know something that's instantly we often think of? We often think of the past. We think of the negative past. 2020, I don't want it to be 2019. And that's not what we want for 2020. That's exactly what we, we just told us, God, what we don't want. But what about what we do want? We want to grow closer in our relationship with God. Is that something we want? We want to grow closer in our family and our relationships. We want to continue our education, both spiritually, but also in our physical way. We want to grow and develop and become the people that God wanted us to be. The purpose of Southwest Baptist Church is to connect and grow and serve. We, those are things we want to do. And we look back on the past and say, God, this is what you've done in our past. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for changing us. Now we can look forward to the future because of that. Now we have a firm and a strong foundation. The book of Ephesians, chapter number 1, verses 3 and also verse 14. We're going to read verses 3 through 14 in just a few moments' time. But it begins in verse number 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He's given us exactly what we need in this life. And it says there, in the heavenly places. He says, with every spiritual blessing. And you think to yourself, why would God bless me with absolutely everything I need to perform what he wants me to perform? Now, you may stop and think to yourself, but I don't have what that person has. Exactly, because you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing that you need in your life. And we often think to ourselves, if I only had what they had, if I only had their looks, if I only had their talent, if I only had their money, then I could do tremendous things. But according to the Bible, God, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, He's blessed you with every spiritual blessing that He wants you to have today. That doesn't mean we stop learning. That doesn't mean we stop growing and developing. We should grow. We should develop because tomorrow he has something else for us that he wants to bless us with. But 
What's his motivation? Go down to the end of that passage. Ephesians 1, verse 14, the last phrase. What is our motivation? Why has God blessed you? Is it to build upon ourselves a whole lot of of pride? Is it to make other people look at us and go, boy, they are smart. Boy, they're spiritual. And according to this verse, it says, what? To the praise of His glory. It takes a focus off of ourself and places it right back where it belongs upon Jesus Christ, upon God and what He has done in our lives. That changes absolutely everything. Why do we do what we do? Why do we as a local church, why do, why do you give? Why do we serve? Why do we go out and invite people to come into the church? It's not just to fill the seats up. It's not just to, be, uh, to go back and go, boy, our church has really grown this year. The motivation is, say it with me, to the praise of His glory. Say that with me now. To the praise of His glory. Our principle for today is this. And if you are a visitor here today, thank you very much for being our guest. Every single Sunday we have a principle that we seek to apply to our life. God's blessings give me everything I need to be successful. We need to break through the hold of the past and claim the blessings that God has for me and for you. You say that again. We need to break the hold of the past, the difficulties, the pains, the unforgiveness, the sin, the things that God has forgiven us of, and break through with that and say, God, you have something for me today. Will you please bless me with it? And God says, absolutely. I'll give you every spiritual blessing that you need for today for my honor and my glory. We're going to challenge you to start strong. The book of Ephesians was written by the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul visited the real city of Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey. Ephesus as a city was a tremendous uh, metropolis. It was a very wealthy city, had an incredible temple that, to the false goddess Diana. And there was a great deal of horrible debauchery that went on with that. But it's also within that temple was a great deal of wealth was going through the city. And Paul spent two years there training and developing the people. Then he later on wrote them a letter, the book of Ephesians. And it was while he was in prison in Rome. And it was kind of like a last letter. I'm writing this last letter to you, so I'm going to tell you everything I think you need to know. So therefore, we can take that same thing. Look at our society today. We live in an incredibly comfortable and affluent society. Much like in Ephesus. There's a lot of debauchery, a lot of sinfulness around us. What is it that God wants you and I to know? Let's read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14 together. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ, 
as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of His glory. With starting strong, we have three points, and three main points we went through. Last week, we began with to reflect upon the past. Today, I'm going to very, very quickly go through two points, which is accept the present and prepare for the future. So we've already looked at the past. We know Jesus Christ is our Savior. We're enjoying the wonderful benefits of being chosen by God, adopted through Christ, and accepted for who we are in Christ. That's in our past. And because of that foundation, now we live today very differently. So let's begin by looking at accepting the present. Accepting today. What has God blessed you with today for His honor and His glory? A man named Andy Stanley made a statement, a very well-used statement. He said this, Direction, not intention, determines destination. I'll say it again slowly. Direction, not intention, determines your destination. There's a lot, in fact, there's millions, if not billions of people around the world that have very sincere hearts. They have very good intentions. They want to do the right thing. They want to know who this creator God is. But it's our direction, the correct direction, direction through the Bible that we truly know God that ultimately determines our destination. Based upon what God has done in your past, what we're going to look about is what are we doing today to accept the present? Because of God's blessings today, because of the things that he's blessed you and your life with. Now, our natural first response is to think about the things that we don't have. But what has God blessed you with? What skills and abilities? One of the most difficult things as a teenager, I remember being asked by people, is, so what are you going to do when you grow up? And as a 14, 15, 16, 17-year-old, it was incredibly hard because the honest answer was, I don't know. And that sounds like you just don't want to think about it. But I really didn't know. And inside, I was struggling with, should I commit my life and submit my life to God and serve in ministry, which I, I thankfully have done, or should I do anything else? And there was a constant struggle because I knew the calling of God in my life, and God has a calling in your life too, and you may be struggling with it, and, then, and the response that you may come up with is, I don't know. Because you don't want to sit back and process. What has God actually blessed you with? Take a few moments. And if not just right now, take some time this week and think through the blessings of what God has blessed you with today. Some of the things that according to this passage that he's blessed us with. We're going to go through them very quickly. I'm just going to list them off. He's redeemed us. Verse number seven says, In him we have redemption. How? 
through his blood. Because of Jesus Christ died on the cross, the Bible says he, we were bought with a price. So our response is to glorify God in our body. During this time period in the Roman Empire, during the first century, there's estimated 60 million slaves that were in the Roman Empire. These people were bought and sold. They were a commodity. Now, within the Roman law, they were supposed to treat them correctly, and there are certain th ways they were supposed to treat them. But you were property of somebody else, and you could be bought and sold whatever was seen fit by the master. When you were bought, you were always bought, and here's a key, you were always bought for a price. And when that price was paid, you now belong to your new master. The wonderful thing is we have a payment that we must make as sinners. The payment that we cannot afford in any lifetime, in a million lifetimes, we could never afford. It was only through Jesus Christ and his blood on the cross that we were bought with that price. And we were with that wonderful purchase by Jesus Christ with his blood on the cross. We were now set free. And now we have freedom that we can enjoy that we could never have freedom otherwise. So now being bought in a sense, and I hate to use the slavery term because it's not, it's not the correct thought process but being purchased by the blood of jesus christ we are set free we're set free from the law galatians 1 5 1 says for freedom christ has set us free stand firm therefore and do not submit against the yoke of slavery in other words the old way of living that's not the way to live anymore you've been set free from that in other words why would you submit yourself to that bondage of the old life when you have been set free also, we've been set free not just from the law, but also set free from sin. Romans 6 verse 14 says, For sin will have no dominion over you. Why is that? Since you are not under law, but under grace. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Bible says that you are a new creature in Christ. The old has passed away, and the Bible says, Behold, the new has come. Do you know what's tremendous about that? Because of God's redemption through Jesus Christ, we've been set free from the law. We don't have to keep the law. Thank God we don't have to go through all the sacrificial system of the Jewish system. We don't have to be underneath the bondage of our sin in the past. Because now we're living under the grace. So we don't have the law, the sin, but also we've been, we have freedom from Satan. Now this is interesting. We often in our lives, we don't see the spiritual realm. But we are certainly affected by it. We don't see demons actively working around us. We don't see the satanic work actively around us. But we can certainly feel the effects of it. And as a child of God, you are protected from that. You are no longer underneath Satan. In fact, it says in Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness, that is, satanic domain, and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. We now live in a new life. Now, this is a new way of living. In our society around us and people that do not know Jesus Christ as a Savior, they can do good things. They can try and they do good works. But we don't do our good works 
for the same motivation. We do them because that's not the way we live anymore. I no longer live in the old way. Why would I want to go back to the old way of living when I've now been set free? But only have we been redeemed, we've also been forgiven. That passage in Ephesians 1 continues on, verse 7, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. With that forgiveness, it quite literally means the sin is gone. You are washed clean. I was researching that word, the forgiveness of our trespasses, has the understanding that he has literally taken away. It's gone. All the time I try to find things. My wife is my wife. She's not my mother, but she knows where my socks are when they're lost. And you call out and you say, where's my socks? I don't know. And she, goes, she replies back in the most loving way, I don't know. When something has been taken away and you, you can't find it anymore, it's gone. The thing is, with our sin, we don't have the ability to forget when we have sinned. We don't have the ability to forget that. But God says, I've forgiven it and I've literally taken it away. John chapter number 1, verse 29. Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist sees Jesus coming and he calls out and he proclaims who Jesus is. In verse 29, he says, The next day he saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's exactly what Jesus Christ has done when he, the forgiveness of our trespasses. He has taken away our sin and he's replaced it with God's riches. Not just any riches, but God's riches. Now, this preaches really, really well, and I don't have the time to delve into it, but it's wonderful when we have replacement. He takes our dirty sin, and he takes it away, and he replaces it with the wonderful riches of God. You think through the hope, the joy, the love, the peace, the ability to accept forgiveness, the, the ability to live a forgiven life. That passage in verse 7 says, according to the riches of his grace. Not just any grace, but it's his grace and it's the riches of his grace. It, he has replaced our sin with God's grace. Not only that have we have redemption and forgiveness, but now we can live a different life today because we've received and we actually know that you have a purpose. People spend a whole lot of money going to different seminars and conferences to be told you are not a mistake. You have purpose. I am good. I am great. I am wonderful. And if you say it loud enough and long enough, maybe you'll believe it. But according to the Bible, it's been there all along for a couple thousand years. It's been written that you have purpose. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 8 through 10, it says, Which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, in heaven and on earth. A mystery is something that was hidden that is now revealed. You now can know that you have a purpose more than just because you really, really want one. It's a God-given purpose that says, I want to reveal my plan for your life. There's a number of prayers that we pray that I don't believe that God should answer. You know, God, help me win the lottery. Uh, or, you know, God, miraculously, you know, make my tire that was flat pump up. And granted, you can pray those prayers if you want to, but 
I think it'd be better off just getting the, the wrench out and changing the tire out. And God says, hey, I've given you the ability to change your tire. But there's other prayers that we can pray that I believe that God 100% wants to answer and he will answer. God, I want to know your will. You think God, the loving father, would ever say, no, I'm not going to tell you my will for your life. You just keep going on. No, of course he's going to say, I want to answer these prayers. I want you to know that you have a purpose in this life, and I want you to know what that purpose is. It may not be fully revealed for decades to come. He may just give you enough information for today. Okay, God, I know what you want me to do. I'm going to do that today. I'm going to, I just have enough information to be obedient for today, but he will answer those prayers. But he also with that, because he's given us an inheritance, verses 11 through 12 says, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him. It says that in him we have obtained. I'm looking at the tense of that word. It's a present tense word. We have obtained the inheritance we are now living in the blessings of god the blessings of god don't begin when you close your eyes in death and someday when you're in heaven the blessings blessings of god begin today in the present remember we looked at the past now we are focusing upon the present what has he done in our lives he has redeemed us he's forgiven us he has revealed his will and he's given us an inheritance in this life and going on from that we see that we can look forward to the future. We have something to look forward to because of our past, because of our present. So what is it that we can look forward to? And what is our foundation? What gives you any confidence to hope for the future? Is it just a matter of crossing your fingers? Because I remember as a kid, crossing your fingers, and it means nothing. What is it that we actually hope upon for the future? In a couple of weeks, we have youth camp. We're calling it Camp Courage. And we're going to be doing a bunch of outdoor activities that are going to stretch some of the young people and stretch a number of the leaders beyond their, their, what they feel they can do. And we're going to be challenging the young people to live lives of courage for God. But what, based upon what? Based upon just because we tell them to do it? Or based upon, let's see what the Word of God says. In verses 13 and 14 of the passage, it says, In Him... Instantly it focuses right upon God. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, believed in him and were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. What gives you the confidence to move forward? You are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. For what motivation? To the praise of his glory. It's wonderful to get something for free. You and I didn't earn our salvation. We didn't work for it. And it's something as wonderful as, like we have Rian here who owns Coffee Joy in Boyne. In fact, you ever drive through Boyne, stop and get a coffee at Coffee Joy. But you won't get the same deal that I got a few weeks ago. Because I always pay, and I always offer to pay. And I have my card out, and you know, some of the sweetest words that ever heard. It's on the house. You know how much better the coffee tastes when it's free? It's del- no, don't, don't, I mean, don't ruin it for me if I, if I everyone mooching off Rian, okay? It's a wonderful thing. And I went back and oh, it was just extra good. You know, that saved that $5. It was magnificent. And when you know something is free, 
I didn't earn it. I didn't do anything for it. I simply asked for it and it was given to me. A similar way with our salvation, what a wonderful blessing it is because I didn't have to earn it. It's not my wage. It's something that he has given to us. And as a result of that, to prove that it's free and to prove that he loves me, he sealed us with the Holy Spirit. We have the security because of that sealing. Verse 13 says, In him also, you, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the Holy Spirit. It gives us a three-step process. It says that when you heard the word of truth, that was when we hear the gospel, the three-step process of, uh, of our salvation. When we hear the gospel, you believe in Jesus. It says there, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him. What took place? The third part of, of the three steps is you hear, believe, and he, from that, he sealed you with the Holy Spirit. It's a finished transaction. In a positive way, we did our part. We heard the truth. We believed the truth. And God says, I am going to seal you. And quite literally, a sealing is, means a guarantee of ownership. Now, a guarantee literally is only as good as the paper it's written on. It's only as good as the source of who's behind the guarantee. Because God himself, the Holy Spirit, is behind the guarantee. He says, I'm going to give you myself, and I'm going to use myself as the guarantee. It's a guarantee of possession. In verse 14, it says, Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it? to the praise of His glory. You and I can live different lives because of what He's done for us in the past. Let me ask you, do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Have you placed your trust upon Jesus Christ as your Savior? Have you accepted that wonderful free gift of salvation by simply hearing the truth? Do you, you hear that God sent Jesus Christ to come to earth? He died on the cross. He rose from the dead, and he has done that to pay the payment for your sin and for my sin. You hear that. Do you believe it? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is who he says he is? Is he the son of God? Did he die on the cross for your sin? And if so, you believe it or you accept it for yourself. And God says, I'm going to do my part. I'm going to save you from your sin. And to guarantee that or to prove that, I'm going to seal you with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to seal you with myself. It's a wonderful, wonderful truth. Because of that past, we can live our present differently because now we're not living as people underneath sin any longer. We're redeemed. We're forgiven. We know God's will. We have an inheritance that we can begin enjoying today. And with that, we can look forward to the future with confidence because we're not doing it by ourselves. We now have the Holy Spirit with us every step of the way. The role of the Holy Spirit, Jesus teaches in John chapter 14 and 15 and 16 about the Holy Spirit with his disciples and encouraging them and challenging them. He says, I'm going to leave, but when I leave, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you the Comforter. And he's going to be better that I'm, that I'm sending him with you because he's going to reveal all truth to you. He's going to convict you of sin. In other words, when we do wrong, he's going to show us that we do wrong so we can make it right with him. We can now live lives of confidence because he's given us spiritual gifts. He's given us our salvation. He's given us revealed truth. Now we can go out and live lives differently in the future. So as we go out in 2020, as we go back and we reflect upon the past, we thank God for what he's done in the past. 
What is he doing for you today? And what can God do in you and through you in the future? Imagine if every single one of us, our average attendance in 2019 was 290 people every Sunday. You imagine of an impact 290 people every single week who are living for God can make in our community by every single person simply doing what is it that God has called you to do? Not what I've called you to do, not what the church has called you to do, but what has God called you to do? Imagine the impact in 300, and well, it's already five days in, 360 days time at the end of 2020. Imagine how different our society will be, how different your lives will be, how different your families will be by simply saying, God, what is it you want me to do based, based upon the past, the present, and looking forward to the future? Why don't you stand with me as we pray? Lord, you have blessed us with every spiritual blessing. You've given us exactly what we need, not always what we want. Lord, I pray that you will you'll do what only you can do. As we, we prayed earlier about the fires, Lord, you're going to have to do something miraculous. In a similar way with our lives and our community and our own family lives, you're going to have to do something miraculous. So Lord, I pray that you'll do that. I pray that we'll be willingly walking through the doors that you open so that we can be the people you want us to be and do the things you want us to do. And in Jesus' name, amen.